I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Lone Star House of Design, a podcast about all things design and architecture from the great state of Texas. Following is another installment of the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series presented by Thermosol. This conversation, as previously mentioned, is from the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series presented by Thermosol. This conversation features designers Cindy Aplanap-Yates, Allison Jaffe, and Sherry Echeliku. It's moderated by Dove Agency founder Beth Bender, and the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series presents the opportunity to gather a curated group of design masters and execute a targeted focus on specific issues affecting the industry today. This cohort discusses the current state of design in Texas, opportunities, trending ideas, and the ultimate pursuit of sublime design. It is presented by Thermosol. I am incredibly proud to partner with Thermosol on this initiative called the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series. These panel conversations feature smart, innovative design thought leaders talking about issues affecting us all in the business today. I'm working with Thermosol for the second year now, and I have had the opportunity to get to know Mitch Altman, third generation of this family-owned and operated business. This company was founded, it was built on innovation. Their origin story is impressive, and the products are innovative. They showcase not only the increased interest in wellness in today's groundbreaking design, but the need for smart showers, steam, and spa-like luxury in the bathroom. If you're not incorporating smart steam showers into every bathroom you design, you're missing out on an opportunity to increase the per-bathroom budget and provide clients with something they desperately want. Meetings like this have become the actual highlight of my day. And I can safely say, and Beth and I were talking about this before I hit the little red button, that on Groundhog Day, where it actually feels like Groundhog Day, and it has felt like Groundhog Day, um, <laughs> you know, the part that you don't see is the going through tech issues and all the things that we have going on in the background, which reminds us that with everything that's changed, some things like office emergencies and tech issues don't change all that much. And we still just sort of have to have to push through. And, and I think that's great. This is the um, this is Lone Star House of Design. This is our uh, wellness and leadership design uh, conversation series presented by Thermosol. And I love more than anything, I have learned to love not only hearing amazing creatives give their opinion and their views, but also when I can find somebody incredibly talented like Beth to actually do the moderating so that I get to sit back and actually be a viewer and a participant, which is what I'm going to do right now. But before I do this, I just wanted to say, Sherry, uh, Cindy, Allison, thank you very much for joining the conversation today. Beth, thank you for taking on the, uh, the, the mantle of moderator. <laughs> With that, we're, we're talking about the, the state of design in Texas and all, all that that entails. And with that, um, I'm so excited. I can't wait to, uh, to just sit back and watch. With that, Beth, I'm turning it over to you. Um, enjoy. 
Thanks. Thanks, Josh. Well, I can say um, I am so honored just to be even asked to uh, to host this conversation because as a born and raised Texan um, who wouldn't want to live anywhere else and as someone who has been truly absorbed in this industry from, I think, birth, um, primarily as somebody who just loves design and loves seeing um, the design that other people do, um, that when Josh asked me to guest host um, on this podcast, I really did. I just jumped at the chance and I got so excited. And um, I'm not going to do a formal introduction of each of you, because honestly, I would really rather um, spend our time in conversation and letting you introduce yourself, because I think you could probably do a better job than I could ever do. But um, I will say that um, there was, you know, when I was researching each of your design firms and your work and and you're going through and kind of um, borderline stalking each of you um, and your Instagram accounts and everything else. Um, there was one thing that came out of my research that I do want to share. And that is that um, in kind of researching your work and your careers, um, each of you have such a strong and clear identity about who you are. And that was so refreshing um, to see um, that that messaging put out there. And one of the things that I, that I noticed is I pulled out a central theme um, from each of your bios. And it really struck me that that collectively, your core values are honestly what makes Texas design so unique. And interestingly, there was a common theme around how each of you described your work. Um, mainly your narrative was not based around a design style. Um, and I think that's very Texan. Um, <laughs> instead, each of you really focused your messaging around a central value that you bring to your work. And maybe I'm incredibly biased um, because of my love for Texas, but I do think that this is fairly um, unique Texan approach to design. And um, because designers um, in Texas, I think, and we're going to talk a lot about this today, how much you have to respect and be willing to embrace the diversity and the eclectic nature of our homes, our cities, its transplants, and that the fact that there is really not an overriding Lone Star design style per se. So um, with that is kind of the foundation of to where I would love to see this conversation go. Um, I wanted to start off in just making that introduction and letting you guys then tell a little bit more about yourselves, but um, it taking a stab at what, when I was researching, what I saw as the core value that was coming out in your messaging. And first, you can tell me that I'm right or wrong. I'm not going to get offended. Um, but then secondly, I would love to know how that um, core value that I saw um, um, is really in introducing yourself, tell me how that has been um, a driver in your success and your design identity. And if you do feel that that is independent of a design style, or if you feel like, no, it really, that is my design style, that core value. So I'm throwing a really um, hardball at you to start. We'll get, we'll get easier as we go along, but I thought we, we would start off with something um, a little deeper. So I'm going to start with you, um, Allison. Um, and I'm going to tell you, <laughs> Allison's like, do you want me to start with somebody else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll like a little breather to like. <laughs> do you want me to all right. I'll, 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 do you want me to start with you or, or move on? Okay. 
Um, my, um, what I, when I was reading over all of your stuff, Allison, really what came across to me is smart, intelligent design, um, that, um, really you, you drive that message home a lot. Um, in what I saw on your, um, website and in your Instagram and in your, um, just your, just the different messaging that I saw. So talk to me a little bit about that. And in introducing yourself, that, that idea of smart, intelligent and design, and did I get it or did I not get it? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I, how should I introduce myself? What, what do you think that, you know, like, I, I would say just name, what's the name of your, your, your firm and jump straight on into smart, intelligent design. Okay. Okay. So Allison Jaffe, my company is Allison Jaffe interior design. Um, I have a company that's, I'll just say the age, it's 11 years old. I've been in the industry for 15 plus years. Um, so smart, smart design is one aspect it's not my main core. My main core is integrity. That's probably the overarching value that I resonate with most and that I <clears throat> implore into my personal life, my, uh, those I associate with, my, my employees, my contractors, and then, of course, my, my clients and their, their spaces. Um, Great. And, and so with integrity, it does bleed over into smart design and then sense that, you know, I, my, my tagline is you always have to put the function before the pretty. Um, I love that. Yeah. So I really thrive off of getting the foundation set and then moving into what makes it photo worthy. That's great. That's great. All right. Um, Let's jump in to, uh, I'll go to Cindy next. So Cindy, um, my, my guess for you was, was joyful design. Okay, that, that will work. You're gonna have to excuse my voice because I've been fighting this thing that I've been, that's been going on for a little bit. I'm not sick, I feel fine, I just sound bad. Um, so I would say if people, somebody was asking me what I do for a living, I would say that we create homes for the sweet spot of life. And sweet spot meaning for us, it's the intersection of function and beauty, ease and purpose. And right, that target, you know, where, where it's function and like you said, Allison, where, where it performs and it's beautiful. Um, and then the ease part would be it's, it's an easy place to live. And we've been doing a lot of things lately, I would say for about the last couple of years, um, family legacy type of projects where, mm. you know, it's a community, it's a main house with guest houses. And that's really been a, a source of joy for us. Um, we start our projects with an intention statement. And one project that we're just wrapping up now is um, called The Gathering. And that was a multi-generational, um, large format project, which was which was so much fun to, to sink deep into um, what a client's intention is and what they want, like the mm -hmm. memories they want to make and create there are so much bigger and broader than, and so we're using design as a platform to make that happen. So that, so that's really fun. Um, I'm a late bloomer in my industry. I went to design school in my mid forties and I've been doing this for now that I've had my firm for seven years, but I've been doing it for about 14 and yeah. it's kind of been a calling. Um, my firm's name is Chairma. 
And I, people ask me a lot where that name came from. And I'm like, well, I just made it up. I used to blog <laughs> under it. And it really stands, you know, to me, it's like the cross section of good design and good karma. So I believe in all those things. And um, I do believe that um, we're very, very good at identifying our target client, our ideal client, and really going deep with them. So I tease people and I'm saying like, I'm pretty old and I don't have much time left. So I'm only going to do things I love for people I love. And I'm not really teasing. I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> you really mean I'm only going to work really with people it. I love. <laughs> yeah. Pretty old. Only going to do what I love. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Sherry, um, we'll jump with you next. Um, so Sherry is actually in, in my backyard with me here in Dallas. Um, so I, I have had the pleasure of, of getting to know Sherry um, through just different, different Dallas events, et cetera. So it's been, it's fun to have, have another Dallas person on here with me today, but um, Sherry for you. Um, and it was a little bit difficult because I, I do, I have come across you. So I, I know you a little bit better than I did the other two. Um, so I'll be embarrassed if I get this one wrong, but um, <laughs> Um, I went with Collaborative Vision Keeper. Oh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am Sherry Echeleku, and my firm name is Sherry Echeleku Interior Design. It's a mouthful. And um, I think that you nailed that. Um, I believe probably collaboration is the key. Um, because I love pulling together the team with the client, the contractor, the architect, and really all working together um, for the best vision that we can pull together for this client. And so when you have team players working together, which I feel Dallas especially is known for, although I've had some wonderful experiences in other cities as well, um, it really benefits the client so much more when everyone can work together and collaborate. Um, I think that my other key focus is that it be comfortable and functional as well as beautiful. So um, that is probably uh what drives me the most is so that when I design a home for a family, uh, I've been in business for almost 30 years now, and I have clients from those early days still. And I am now starting to design homes for the children of those clients. And um, when you can make things livable as well as beautiful, you can come back and it's, it's always just a, it's like a collection. You're collecting pieces, you're adding to them and certainly things wear out, but your, uh, your entire vision doesn't have to be completely changed and wiped out. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. growing that is what our goal is. That's great. Well, I think that as we, you know, jump in now is, you know, I think having that foundation of what each of you really care about, I think it's so important because I do feel like that, um, that Texas, especially, we don't have that, you know, overriding style. You can't say, you know, okay, well, everything here is coastal or everything here is mountain or whatever. So let's kind of dive into that, that idea a little bit about how those, um, those values are kind of 
integrated into the design style that you like to create or where you see yourself fitting in that when somebody says to you, Hey, Cindy or Sherry or Allison, what's your design style? Um, how do you answer that? Because when I look at your portfolios, I see, I see Texas, I see eclectic, I see diverse, I see, I see all kinds of styles. So how do you answer that question when somebody asks you that? Hmm. Cindy, you want to go first? Oh, yeah, I'll go first. I'm looking for what gives that client comfort and joy. And uh, you mm-hmm. know, we live in a really hospitable, gracious state. And Mm -hmm. so whatever makes you want to come in and sit down and take your boots off or shoes off, you know, Mm -hmm. curl up on the sofa, have a glass of wine and a long conversation, I would Mm -hmm. say that would be my style. And it's different for every client. It's different for, you know, what their architecture can handle, uh, what their budget can handle, their, you know, how far we can stretch their aesthetic. But Mm -hmm. to, to do something that is gracious and hospitable always feels good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so when a, when a potential client comes to me with that question, um, I like to share with them, my approach is more holistic in the sense that for me, when I, when I'm speaking to them, um, you know, their house, their home is their most vulnerable space. So if it is out of alignment, it means that their space is out of alignment and it's my job to help them you know, disassemble it and put it back together. Um, you know, your self-expression in your home are very interconnected. And so when they ask me what my style is, I, I, I tend to say, well, you know, I'm really an interpreter. I'm interpreting your vision, your goals, your ideas. I'm holding the space for you. You know, mm-hmm. the way that I, that I, design my projects is I want them to come to the table with their ideas and they're utilizing and leveraging me for my experience and my knowledge to put it all together and to guide and nature them through the project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Sherry, what about you? Okay. I would say that um, I think we all kind of agree. We don't go in and drive a vision Um that we let the client drive it. Um, But I think that, you know, then when I struggle with this answer, my clients always say, well, what does your house look like? And you're like, well, (laughs) I'm too busy working on your houses to know what my house looks like. (laughs) I like a mixture and I guess um, I think it's so overused, but I love a collected eclectic look. So whether it is contemporary, whether it is traditional, whether it is transitional, I like it to look like it came together over time and that everything is not just straight off the showroom floor. Do you guys find that because so many people are moving to Texas and because Texas has become a place where um, a lot of people that I think come here are with some of these big corporations or these big companies, especially in Dallas. And a lot of them have this might be their fourth or fifth move. So, you know, they have with each of these moves either. I mean, I, I I have heard, I don't know if this is the truth or not, but they either go one of two directions. They're either a minimalist and every time they move, they get rid of everything and start all over again, which I think, you know, is in some ways a designer's dream. And then in other, in other cases, every time they move, they're bringing pieces from other homes and it might not necessarily fit. And it's just this, like you just said, this collected um, group of accessories and furnishings and everything else. And then they're looking at you saying, 
here you go. Now do something with it. Um, what, <laughs> where do you guys, in terms of, because Dallas is such a place where people are moving to, um, how do you handle that with your clients when they either are minimalist and they have nothing and maybe they've just got their first big Texas McMansion or whatever. <laughs> they don't understand the cost that it's really going to take to fill it. Or they've got a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't really work together. And now they've got to, you guys have to figure out a way to put all, pull all that together. Tell me kind of your process for, for that. Thanks. So you're, you're nodding. Yeah, go Sherry. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I, um, I always start with the furniture plan first because I want to conquer the function. And so uh, in working through uh, you know, some of the questions and the answers that we get from the clients and working from them, we find out how each room will function for them. And I often will go into a house where someone's been living and they'll say, oh, we never use that room. And I said, well, that's because it's not designed properly. So um, so once we are working in the furniture plans, you can kind of get their comfort level with how much change they're willing to embrace. And so then we often pull together schemes, even just minimal schemes, just to show them what and why they could have a room be a certain way. And usually I find that once they can understand that, they they can embrace the fact that they might need to let go of some of the things that they have with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Cindy? Do you, uh, so same, same thing with function, you know, getting the space planning, right. But also I want it to feel like it's their home. So a lot of times if they have children, they, uh, and they move a lot, I want to incorporate something that's personal for them that feels familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Um, also I think it's important to give them room to grow into this space. And so there may be a substantial wall that maybe they don't have the right piece of art for yet, but, um, Sometimes I'll do a less costly placeholder so that they could do a really nice piece that they can pick up on a a trip or a vacation that they can plan for and expand into. Um, A lot of times people are moving from much smaller spaces to our spaces. And so Mm -hmm. they really don't know how to do that yet. Mm -hmm. So very often, um, you know, we're looking at function and and the intention of the space and and what the multipurposes will be and to make it feel really comfortable and then to kind of sink into their their level of how they like to entertain how they like to connect with their family and friends and and then build their interior around that let's let's i want to jump off of that real quick and then and allison and i want to throw something something back at you but when you talk about this idea of entertaining and you in the in the idea of entertaining in the home you know that has been something that i feel like fortunately, you know, was gone, I felt like for a while. And I do feel like it's one of the maybe the things to come back um, with the quarantine and the lockdown that we've all been in is I feel like people have started to entertain in small groups in their homes again. And so are you finding that desire for um, entertaining and, and and styling around that idea of entertaining is, is starting to come back more? Or do you feel like it never went away? I just, you know, I know with with Texas, we got a lot of great restaurants. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll chime in. Also, why don't you, yeah, because you do a lot of the new construction too, Allison, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, we, yeah. we do everything from mostly remodels, new construction. Yeah. Um, 
so because we are in the center of the United States, everything trickles to us last. I really haven't felt the impacts of the changes in the home so much. And I'm in Austin. I unconsciously wore UT orange. Um, (laughs) I haven't seen, you know, there's a lot of conversation around, oh, people are starting to focus on their office. I haven't seen that. I've seen a lot of people who are moving around Austin. They're upsizing, they're downsizing, they're building, they're remodeling, but nothing's speaking to the circumstances that are happening today just yet. I think it's because we're still sort of, kind of easing into what our new world looks like. But to go back to your prior question in regards to uh, people moving to Texas, we get the onslaught of Californians who are moving from a a 1,000 square foot, you know, small California bungalow to, you know, upwards of 3,000, 5,000 plus square foot homes. So a lot of them are, you know, converting their cash flow and bringing it to Austin and they're starting. Fortunately, I, I get the projects where we're starting from scratch, which is a lot of fun, um, whether it is in the world of remodeling or new construction or a lot of times the furnishings, they're like, we don't want any of our small scale. We're coming to Texas bigger, but you know, what, what's the frame? bigger in te- what is it <laughs> everything's bigger in texas yeah, yeah. everything yeah yeah so yeah. they're they're really adopting um our culture which is great because we're always having that conversation of oh we're getting you know displaced by all these californians but i think they really do want to take on what it means to be a texan there's that there's that song that i love so much by lyle Lovett. i don't know if y'all know that one where, where it just came to a head as you were saying that where he the chorus is like that's right. You're not from Texas. That's right. You're not from Texas, but Texas wants you anyway. And I always think about that as <laughs> all these people moving here. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do with all of you guys, but come on. <laughs> want you anyway. We got enough space and um, we certainly have um, enough, enough uh, land. Um, the question is, do we have enough homes? And that was one of the other questions I was going to ask you guys is with this surge, you know, do we do you feel like um, the kind of homes that are being built so fast to try to handle this influx um, of people coming into Texas? Do you does that give you heartburn? Does that does that stress you out? Um, because, I, you know, I think that as designers, there is this thought of, you know, the, the type of attention and care you put into that building process. And it seems like now you just turn around and there's just houses going up everywhere and you wonder where is the, the time and the attention to some of the little things. So how are you guys um, kind of approaching that as you as you, you are probably in there working in some of these homes that don't have floor plugs, you know, where they should be and et cetera. Some of the little things that I know you, you would love to be able to plan out. <laughs> Sherry, you want to talk to that? You're sure. laughing. Like I just said something you, you, you've just experienced. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, that is where I value the collaboration so much. And I would say that uh, sadly, the homeowner, I feel, gets the brunt of that is I can, I do get to work in a realm where we can get these things done, but uh, they tend to, you know, I think prices are going up because everyone is so very busy. Um, the construction industry is just so we, we need some more people here, <laughs> more, more good contractors here because everyone's busy. Everyone's busy. 
Cindy, are you able to get the kind of, um, of, of labor to do the real craftsmanship that you want for your projects? Or do you find that that's difficult right now? No, um, we're able to, to get it. We've had a long history of, of having really nice projects. So I have a lot of artisans that work with us and we're very collaborative and, you know, really lean into their experience and, and their knowledge. So that hasn't really been an issue for us. Um, I will say we're incredibly busy, especially with remodels. And I kind of tease and I'm like, if, if a couple still likes each other, you know, after all this togetherness, they hate their house. And so like, if they're yeah. still a couple, like, okay, let's, let's make uh -huh. a change. And I love doing renovations and remodels because we can have, make such a big impact and our budget's not spread amongst, you know, 6,000 square feet. It's, it's really more limited. And that's, that's super fun for us. Yep. So um, let's talk about second homes, because that's another thing that I think uh, Texans love their second homes. And um, whether it's the, you know, the mountain home, the beach home, the lake home, the ranch, whatever. Um, I know that it's it's definitely um, a, a, a something that I think Texans uh, embrace. Um, and so talk to me a little bit about this process of designing a second home. Um, do you guys feel like um, people are now really investing even more so in their second homes because of, the, you know, what we've gone through over the last two years or let's, let's chat second homes. Sherry, you want to start? Sure. Um, I uh, have just completed a lake house for a longtime client. And um, and I do think that people are considering their second homes as important in every aspect of the quality as their original primary homes. And so um, so every detail that we would have done in a Dallas home was done out there. And even the tradespeople were a little bit shocked by the level of craftsmanship that we were asking them to do. And they were happy to do it, but they said it wasn't typical for the lake house and um, also did a veil home that was a big remodel. The lake house was new construction. The veil home was a remodel. And I do feel like people are, um, and it could be the, uh, the age of my clients as well. They are, uh, you know, able to split their time between these second homes and their primary homes. And so they're spending a lot of time at their second homes and especially during quarantine where they would just go and escape and even be able to take the kids because their school is online. Mm -hmm. How are you guys dealing with, you know, with so many of the communities now that I've noticed popping up um, in these second home communities and in Texas where you've got multiple owners of one home Um how do you guys handle that? Who's, has any of you had any of you had experience with that where it's you've got their time sharing these homes or multiple people are going in and buying them together? Some not. of the ranches and okay. They're just they're just all the all my clients with second homes are all in Colorado and Utah. So they're leaving. Okay. <laughs> but there's a big enough there's a big enough texas population over there that they don't feel like they're too far gone yeah. <laughs> exactly a two-hour two -hour flight <laughs> exactly cindy what, cindy what about you what about your enjoying the second oh i think we lost cindy 
Cindy, we can't hear you. Well, come back to me. Oh, uh, you're back. You're back. Am I back? Okay. You're back. I was just going to say, usually second homes, you know, they are as important to a client as their primary, uh, especially now because people are spending more time there. Depending on how the home's going to be used, if it's going to be shared with uh, family and friends and stuff like that, it, it matters the materials that we put in it, you know, mm-hmm. like what kind of sofa and how, what kind of care is going to happen with it. But it's, it's every bit as important as a primary. Mm-hmm. Have you guys had any issues um, with getting the, the um, products and everything to these second homes right now? Or has it, I mean, I just know I've been hearing nightmare procurement issues recently. Have you guys, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and I don't know if that's just I think we probably have it best better in Texas than in other places in the country but um I do know it's it's difficult right now and I've I've been here and that's been a been an ongoing issue how how have y'all how are y'all overcoming that little that little bump in the road right now well I have had to drive things to the lake house myself in my car like picking up construction materials and taking them myself not too often thank goodness but uh but it does you know you kind of have to do whatever it takes to get things moving along (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so well you know let's um kind of shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk about um, the reputation that you guys feel text design now has nationally. And I think with Kip Spay just coming, I mean, I think we've, we've, you know, obviously that was, that was a, a huge, huge thing for Texas design to have to have um, Kip Spay here. And I think that we've also seen um, a surge of designers moving to Texas. Um, and so where is your thoughts on um, right now, kind of the reputation of Texas design, um, whether it is with the national publications, seeing featured Texas projects in these national publications, um, et cetera. Cindy, you want to, or Allison, one of y'all want to jump in first? I'll go. I mean, our okay. state is beautiful. Uh, we've got a lot of natural setting. We have um, a lot of land, and it's very economical as, as compared to other places. So I think people are just in awe of what you can do, how far your dollar goes in Texas. And mm-hmm. then the spirit of Texas design as far as there's no, whole, there's no restriction. Like I have a client who has a, a full-on saloon in their backyard. You know, like how Texas is that, right? Um, because they wanted one. And so that might be Lone Star style per se. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there is a big Lone Star sign there. But I, I think anything goes here. And I think that we're getting the reputation of being bold. Houston is such a diverse city and our architecture is really, really, really diverse. You can go down a street and see a bungalow next to something super contemporary and modern next to something that's. Arcadian and that that's all expected and I I just think that's what makes uh, Texas design interesting and fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome what do you think um as far as the design goes again I think being Austin a very laid back it's starting to become a little more um cosmopolitan per se, not so much as like Dallas or Houston, but, you know, you also have to remember a lot of influence is being brought over by California. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're bringing their taste here and it's still, you know, that easy, easygoing, um, 
uh, aesthetic. Um, but when you get those, I, I, do, I do get a lot of uh, people calling that are coming from their, you know, 500 square foot apartment in, in New York. And then again, they get that, that they're like, we have all this space now. And, and what do we do with it? We're not used to being able to put a, a 10 foot sofa in our, in our living room. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting, just like Houston, just like uh, Cindy mentioned again, Austin, there's no regulation. So <laughs> it's anything goes. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes it fun for me to design because uh, there's no no driving force of style. It's whatever you want to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's it's one thing you know that probably is shocking to designers that um, come here um, and and they're going to design a project here, but they don't live here. Is this idea of the resources that are available to us? The fact that all of our cities have amazing showrooms and design centers that we can just drive over to and walk in at any time. We don't have to park and take a subway and hike there or whatever. We can take our clients straight, you know, down. So um, I think that it's one thing that I I was talking to somebody who had um, moved here from New York and um, they, they are now designing here in Dallas. And they were just saying what a huge change it is to design in a city like Dallas than it was to design in a city like New York. Um, And just the logistics of even getting something in to the home um, and and not having to go through all the different hurdles that you had to go through just to schedule for somebody to even come in and change a light bulb, much less try to do an install. So um, I think that we, we, we have it. We have it really good here in Texas, and I think that some more and more people are moving here. They're realizing just how just how good we just how good we have it, and um, that was definitely um, evident in watching Kips Bay, um, you know, come up and seeing the designers that were coming here from other places that had done other Kips Bays, and and seeing that that experience they they had in mm-hmm. in doing a Kips Bay here in here in Dallas. So, well, um, tell me a little bit about, um, in terms of your, uh, kind of those Texas designers that, that laid the path for you, that you felt like, you know, if you could point to some Texas designers that either influenced you or mentored you or really helped, helped guide you. Yeah, I, I stay in my own bubble. I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm an outlier because I don't read blogs or magazines or follow. I, you know, I have an active, you know, social media account, but I don't follow anyone again because of that. My, my philosophy is really what, what the client's inspired by. I don't want, you know, they're going to have my guidance. They're going to have a little bit of me in their, in their, uh, you know, their, their design in their home. But I mean, I can tell you some, some designers that I admire in Austin, but they're not ones that I, that I follow or pay attention to. I I think for, for one, Fern Santini is incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, resident of Austin and designing worldwide and just magnificent. Yep. Incredible. By you, Cindy. I, when I was kind of new in design, I went to a party at Lisa Deloya's house. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's a Houston designer who's just got a fantastic sense of scale. 
and style and so warm and so so family centric, but yet very chic. And I'm surprised I wasn't asked to leave because I took so many pictures in our house. And I still have them <laughs> on my phone. Like, you know, it was a really long time ago with the other 83 million pictures I have on my phone. But um, I, I just admire um, really good design. I don't care who does it, you know, and, and I'm with you, Allison. I don't, I don't have a big social media presence personally. I'm not even on Facebook myself and I'm not looking at what other designers are doing because I don't want it to cloud my vision of what I'm doing. Um, and, and that's just like my candy. Like if I'm, if I want to look at something enjoyable, I'm just going to look at the pretty pictures, you know, so I, I don't have a lot of time to do that, but I really do enjoy it when I'm on vacation looking at others work, but on the day to day, I don't. Mm-hmm. About you, Sherry. Um, well, I, I think I'm older than you girls. Um, <laughs> so I've been <laughs> a little bit longer. Um, uh, so I can go all the way back and Beth, you may not even know who this is Lloyd and Paxton. Do you remember them? I don't. (laughs) They were huge and did things um, in Dallas and around the world that were just incredible. They were on the AD 100 list um, and they had a fabulous antique shop here forever. And so um, so one of them has passed away and the other one has retired. But um, phenomenal, phenomenal designers. And uh, so and and both from Texas. so out of the box thinking because they were probably doing it in the seventies and the eighties. And I didn't start until the late eighties, but I had the history of that to look on that was recent history. And so, um, so they were an inspiration for me to dream big and to really, um, you know, if you have an idea, you can pursue it and see if, if it, can work out. So there's not a right or wrong way necessarily. It's what is appropriate to making it work. And then just more recent, I think, again, the things, the people that reinforce that, you know, like a Jan shower, she has her look, but she's so inspirational because of all she's done. And, um, you know, there are a lot of important you know, Texas designers uh, and also in both of your cities that I admire and uh, and enjoy seeing what they do. But when I was uh, younger and new to the field, I would love to go to the New York showrooms and the Los Angeles showrooms. And even though they were the same vendors that I had here in Dallas, the way they used them were so completely different. And I loved that you could just get fresh um really inspiration like I don't think any of us copy anything that we see but you see something used in a different way and then it maybe inspires you to use the thing you were using in a different way and it's not that those two related but it made you think differently Mm -hmm. so um, and I just think there's so many different avenues and really fantastic designers in Texas Mm -hmm. well I know that you know all of you guys have um several people that have worked with you or under you. Um, do you feel like right now, because there is such a demand for interior designers and there is practically a waiting list for interior designers um, that a lot of people, I think right now that are coming out young, you know, coming out of college um, and they're 
there seems to be this sense of, I'm just going to go out on my own right off the bat. Um, I don't really need to go and be a design assistant. I don't need to do that apprenticeship. I'm just going to go for it because I can get a job. And do you, does that, does that give you heartburn? (laughs) It makes me a little bit nervous for the history of um, just, just where Texas design is going to go. Because I do love seeing that sense of, Um, designers passing down some of that knowledge. But I also think that one of the things that's made Texas so great is that we haven't had some of the um, challenges that people have had um, in the East or in the West to be able to get into this industry. Some of the barriers that they've had to be able to get in and call themselves an interior designer and, and actually operate in practice and show their just raw talent that they've got. So where do you lie on that? Um, Just part of the, challenge of of design assistant apprenticeship versus hey you're in the lone star state nothing's going to hold you back there's no barriers jump in there and if you're if you can swim great it really depends on what i can see it both ways there's been a lot of successful i mean you have to are you an interior designer are you a decorator there's a difference Mm -hmm. and i would ask that question to the contractors you know, they have to partner with those who are working on, per se, a new construction or remodel, and you're going to get far more experience with someone who has the formal education, has has a license, you know, under the, the state of Texas, than you are someone who's, you know, fresh out of the water. Also, <laughs> furnishings, um, I'm sure you can have a lot of great success with that, but I, I, I'd be hesitant in the world of you know, those little nuances that come to when you're when you're going through a lighting plan or you're going through different spec details or understanding just construction in general, remodel or new construction um, that can get you into a lot of trouble if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> right. You know, it, it just I think it depends on where you want to go. If you want to get into the field of design, do you want to be a decorator or do you want to be known as an interior designer? That's do you think text Allison on that note real quick and then Cindy I'll let you in. Do you do you feel like Texas should have some stricter laws around this, or do you think the Texas approach is one that has helped design in Texas? Well, I just got audited, so I had to send in all my CVs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I remember uh, the designer I worked for years and years and years ago, um, Julie Evans. You might you might know her. She she mm-hmm. got audited for for that, and I was like, oh gosh, is that ever going to happen? <laughs> and, and it That's did. My biggest fear. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think there's something to having having the the laws and the the rigidity of of what it means to be an interior designer because again we're we're there for the health safety and welfare of the community and uh without that you know there are things that can happen so i i'm all for i'm all for by the books (laughs) so um and i like it because it distinguishes me it's something that i can speak to when i'm talking to those who have never had or worked with an interior designer, um, it does give me a little bit of leverage in in going through that process with them. Mm-hmm. Cindy, what, what are you? What are your thoughts around that? Oh, Cindy, we lost you again. 
Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Sherry jump in, and then Cindy, you, okay. we'll, we'll get your we'll get your audio back here in a minute, Cindy. Okay. Um, okay, I think I agree a lot with Allison. I think that in the world of construction, especially, um, there are some huge expensive mistakes you can make um, that will either fall to the contractor or the homeowner um, if you don't know what you're doing. Um, I think that. You know, when you go to school and get your degree, there are many different degrees you can get as well in interior design. And if you haven't had, regardless, uh, if you have the architectural background or not, you still need that experience. It's why they require two years experience before you can take your NCIDQ to get your license or to get your certification. Um, because there's all of this theory and practice that you're learning in school, but until you're really out in the field and seeing how all that applies, um, it really, because I remember graduating and thinking, I'm not prepared for this job. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. And after two years, I was like, okay, it's all coming together now. It's like, I had to know all that theory. I had to know how to do all these things, but I had to learn how things really work in the real world. And I think uh, not not even from a design standpoint, but just from a functional, practical, how does that go together? How do I design this if I don't know how it's put together? Um, you have to, you ha I would be very afraid to, to go out on my own straight out of school. But I, I do know that they, a lot of the schools encourage it, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. They it's are. Sad. It's sad to me. Yes, I have interns that tell me that after their internship, they're just, when they graduate, they're going to go out on their own. And that's what their professor said they can do. And that's exactly some of the feedback that I've been getting. And it's just, it's a little bit mind blowing to me because I, I can't imagine losing out on that sense of education that you get from working under a designer. Um, it, it seems a little crazy to me, but I was wondering if I was on an island in that thought. So yeah, <laughs> Cindy, no, what about no. you? Cindy, you're back. So what are your thoughts around that? Can you hear yep, me? Yep, okay. we can. Uh -huh. Okay. So I think it would be incredibly lonely to be out on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, there's five of us that work together here is super collaborative. And if you, if you have something great that you want to share or you're stuck and you need a little bit of help, or you just need, you had a, somebody was mean to you or, or whatever. Like it's so nice to have this community that we have within this firm to be able to help each other. So I, I think it'd be extremely hard to be a sole proprietorship. Um, also, I always say, you know, my learning curve was on my dime. I flipped a lot of houses. I built some homes. I did I did everything imaginable to my own stuff on my own dime. So I'm like, don't mm -hmm. hire. Like, I made all those mistakes. Like, you know, go go with experience because it really, really matters. And to everybody's point, there's things that can go terribly wrong. And um, it's just it's it's a learning doing job. You learn whatever you learn in school. But the doingness of it is done through mentorship and again just just practice doing it mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so we'll, we'll shift gears for for the last time in our in our conversation but um i noticed that another thing that you guys all have in common is your love for travel and adventure and um I was, you know i think that that goes into that collected 
collective approach um, that you see in all of your design work. Um, there's definitely, um, you can tell that that travel and that sense of adventure comes into play um, in, what, in what you do in your design. And so are you finding it harder right now um, to achieve that collected feel um, when over the past, you know, year, we haven't been able to go out as much. Um, it seems to me like a lot of the fairs and the, you know, the events that we used to go to, to find these amazing little treasures, these one of a kinds you can't find. Now, thankfully we have things like chairs and some of these other websites, but um, how is that kind of affecting you guys and even affecting your inspiration and your um, just your creativity and what are you guys doing to source those one of a kind items? Well, I have um, built up a lot of relationships across the country because I've always wanted that kind of unique thing that wasn't just sitting here in our Dallas market. And so um, I find myself reaching out to those people a lot more um, and sending them, you know, photos of what I'm looking for and, uh, you know, seeing if they can find it uh, in their area. It is, um, it's harder, but I also think that the, the look now is a more pared down look. And so uh, we don't need as many accessories as we used to need. <laughs> so I think that makes them more important. So it, it's, it's more critical that each piece be really, uh, you know, carry its weight. So whatever that re requirement is. Mm -hmm. So dear Allison, do y'all have a, a spot that you're going, you're, you're able to continue sourcing those things or have you found your old haunts are still okay. going strong? Are we talking about, I, when I travel, I travel for myself and myself only. <laughs> like I, I, I don't work. turn off the computer and I go, you know, I'm, I'm heading to Hawaii in a, in a couple months. And, um, so I, I, I love to travel because it's just, again, like absorbing whatever it is I'm surrounded by. And then in a way that energetically transfers to my projects, but it's not, a direct one-to-one -one for my clients in the world of, you know, their designs. Again, I go back to leveraging what they've seen on their travels. You know, I have clients who are like, I saw this amazing fireplace at such and such hotel. Like let's, let's work off of that. So it's them traveling if they can. Um, but I, I, as far as like the circumstances have gone, I haven't been able to travel this whole year, but I do have my little, um, where I get grounded is, is my hobby. Um, I love to share it because it's my favorite thing in the world. I'm a skydiver. So it's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. So on the weekends I'm getting like reset so that I can be inspired and like whole and complete to do whatever it is that I'm, I'm working on for that week. So. Very fun. Awesome. Wants to go. Uh, do some of your very best ideas come as you're falling? As you're falling from oh, the sky. Beautiful thing is that I get to like not think about a thing. My best ideas are in the shower. You know, when we're watching. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's the one space where I can turn off everything from you know what's happening in my work life and personal life, and then um, you can't think for for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. 
that sounds kind of dreamy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds kind of dreamy. Yeah. Cindy, what about you? Well, you see this big warehouse behind me? It used to have a lot yeah. more stuff in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of that has gone to projects. Um, I still have my old haunts. And um, I always try to put an element of fun and fascination into our projects. So, you know, whatever that is. And a lot of times that energy is absorbed off the client. And, you know, what's fun and fascinating to them. And so I'm, I'm channeling that. So it, it really hasn't been that big of a challenge only because maybe I just had the right stuff at the right time and I might run out of tricks, you know, pretty soon, but um, it's been good. Good. Well, it's been awesome. And I'm so glad we got to, to talk and um, I, you know, I'm going to end this with um, a couple of just little Texas questions. We'll, we'll wrap it up and then I'll throw it back to Josh and Josh, if you want to come back, you could even answer the question. So I've got, um, Four little questions um, for each of you to answer. So the first one is your favorite art gallery in Texas. If you have one. So Sherry, you want to go first? Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> okay, I'll start, with, I'll start with Allison and come back to you. Yeah. Allison, favorite okay. art gallery. Uh, so I have two. So it's no longer an art gallery per se. It's more of an event place, but uh, Laguna Gloria in Austin. And then, of course, in in Fort Worth, um, the Kimball. Okay. Cindy, what about you? Okay. Oh, we lost you. Oh, Manil. Manil. Manil, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Sherry, what about you? I am going to say... Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of my sources as my art galleries and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's like, I can't just name a source. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I love the Fort Worth Contemporary. Yeah. I do too. It's incredible. It's incredible. Okay. The next one, I don't know if everybody here is a fan, is a fan of round top, but um, Marburger Farms or the Arbors? Marburger. See, this is so, this is so not fair because, uh, round top is like this year was the year I was going to round top for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm just, it is, but I don't know what that is, but I, I can't wait for one of you to show me. (laughs) (laughs) When you get to go, you'll understand why it's the favorite. Um, And I can tell you where to eat pie. (laughs) <laughs> okay fair and by the way i didn't get a chance to answer the last question but i just wanted you to know that m- my favorite is not a museum at all i i love the nasher i love um really the art galleries in texas are amazing but for me nothing personifies art in texas like the entire state the entire city of marfa yeah i knew yeah. you were going there yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible Yes. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Enchiladas or fajitas? Oh. Mm. Am I being healthy or not? <laughs> you're not. You're just, you gotta, you gotta sit down and you're gonna have chips and salsa, but you're gonna have enchiladas or fajitas. So, I'm gonna have enchiladas. enchiladas. You're gonna have enchiladas. Yeah. Chicken enchiladas with birthday sauce. Yeah. Okay. Melt Josh. Enchiladas or fajitas? 
You know, in all fairness, this is really a different, you don't realize how difficult this question is for me because as a, as a native Angelino, as a native Californian, I'm used to Mexican food. I'm not used to Tex-Mex. So the oh. concept of, you know, but that being said, I have gotten some amazing Tex-Mex in, in Texas and I would, you know, enchiladas, anytime you can put a, a boatload of cheese on anything, mm, it's exactly. better, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks again so much, everybody. It's been it's been so fun getting to know you guys all better. And um, hopefully next time uh, we're all at Round Top, we can hang out in person. That would be fun. Um, With with that, Beth, first of all, thank you for taking this on. Um, Masterfully done. I greatly appreciate it. Allison uh, and Cindy, so great to speak with you again as you know i've i've had the chance to sit down at length and cherry i'm so excited you and i are going to be sitting down shortly so i'm very excited about this this was really great and i the perspective um is truly appreciated and it's great and i'm going to throw something out there just in closing is that if we do get a chance to uh to hit round top next perhaps we can do this again live yeah so fun yes that'd be awesome yeah. So maybe a round of pie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pie, enchiladas, and round top. Deal. Perfect. Done. With that, um, again, this is Lone Star House of Design. This is the a, a sort of a view, a, a 30,000 foot view of the state of, of design in Texas um, as, as part of the wellness and design leadership uh, thought conversations that we're presenting uh, courtesy of Thermosol and thank you to them for making this possible. And again, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time. This was, this was really great. And I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That was brilliant. Thank you, Beth, Cindy, Sherry, and Allison. Thank you, Thermosol for your continued support. And thank you for subscribing and downloading the show. And if you are not already, please subscribe so you catch every episode of Lone Star, House of Design, uh, and Convo by Design the moment they're published. You can also ask your smart speaker to play Convo by Design. And if you really want more, follow along. ConvoByDesign.com and Convo by Design with an X on Instagram. For show inquiries, sponsorship, and guest inquiries, email me, ConvoByDesign at Outlook.com. Be well. And until next week, keep creating. 